I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the MVP show. Today, we're speaking with Colin Vermanda, all the way from Canada. Uh, we talk about his origin story, you know, his background, whether it be an ADX uh, studio, Doxio, and of course now KPMG, and kind of the value he's got from the MVP program. Full show notes for this episode can be found at nz365guy.com forward slash 173. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, Colin, welcome to the MVP show. Oh, thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Mate, so tell us a bit about where you are. Like, where do you live, work, and play? So I am now in Gatineau, Quebec in Canada. Um, I'm originally from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, but uh, recently moved uh, over to our Francophone side or our Francophone province um, about a year ago. So... so- do, do you speak French or is it not a, a non-French speaking area? Uh, no, it is a very French speaking area. Um, and my French is terrible. I barely passed French in uh, grade nine. And then once I was done uh, the requisite uh, education in French, I kind of bailed on it as quickly as possible because it was not uh, a favorite uh, subject of mine. So no, my French is really bad. So then like in everyday societal type life, uh, does that cause like, you know, whether you're at the supermarket or, you know, getting fish and chips or something like that, what, how does that, how does that affect you? Do, or, or, or is English still common enough? English is, is still common enough. Um, the de facto here, though, is to, to start out in French um, with most uh, places that you go. And like if you go to a restaurant or something, you're going to have a French menu. You can ask for an English one usually. Um, I'm getting better and better with uh, being able to understand what people are saying or getting the gist of it mostly. So um, speaking it though is uh, not as uh, uh, not my forte probably so <laughs> but uh, yeah it, it's most people here will will switch pretty quickly um, so it's it's not that not troublesome or anything like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so what's your origin story my origin story like how far back like do you want to go well, was it 2.4 million, billion years? Like, we could go back to there if you want. I, 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 I'm just, I'm just uh, reading a Stephen Hawking's book at the moment. And, uh, and so, yeah, we can go back that far if you want, but maybe not, maybe not. Uh, when do you feel comfortable telling your, uh, if you like, your professional journey to this point? Sure, I guess. So, um, I mean, I can start from high school. I finished high school and, and didn't really feel uh, like I wanted to go to university or college at the time. So I kind of just went into working right away. Um, And uh, I actually went into kind of like a network administration, network infrastructure side of things. And um, I guess it was around like the, uh, the, 
um, millennial type of time. So it was uh, the Y2K stuff was really big. It was doing lots of exchange server, SharePoint server, uh, Windows server type of installations and management of all of those. Um, and then I kind of dabbled in some programming uh, or got the opportunity to dabble in some programming when I was doing that and built a couple of web applications and really, really liked doing that. So um, I guess it was about eight, nine years after that, I decided to go back to school um, and went to a college program for computer programming. Um, and it was really to get like my paperwork, uh, so to speak. Um, I had kind of self-taught myself a lot of things um, in those eight or nine years already, but didn't really have like the paperwork to back it up. Um, and um, kind of did a three-year program in about two years, um, kind of accelerated and came out with the diploma from there. And um, in my, I guess my second last year, my last year, um, I got a summer job in one of the semesters I had off um, with ADX Studio. Um, so they hired me as a, a developer um, and uh, for, I guess, about three months. And then they ended up keeping me on part time for the rest of the, the school year while I finished with the agreement that I would come and work full time for them uh, once I was done school. Um, so, and this was kind of around the time that ADX Studio was opening up uh, their additional practices or areas um, because they had really, ADX Studio started in Regina, Saskatchewan, and that's where the bulk of people were, but they were starting to um, build offices in the, the Toronto area and the, the Calgary area, kind of trying to expand a, out across Canada. So um, I was one of their first employees in the Toronto area. Um, okay, okay. That, so. So, so this is in, you know, the two years I've been podcasting, this is a discussion I've never actually had. And, you know, now that I've got somebody so on the ground floor about it, tell us a bit about ADX, like back in the day, like how big a company was it? Like, you know, from my point of view, I knew Shan cause he was an MVP and I, and as far as ADX was concerned, it was only Shan, right? Cause he's the only person I, I engaged with. And I mean, yeah, I saw a few other people at trade shows and things like that, but Really, it was Shan was the the spokesperson in my world. Tell me about, you know, how big was the company? How, you know, how many locations? What was its core business model? That type of thing. Yeah, so I mean, ADX Studio started as another company before that called App Depot, um, but the the company was founded by by three guys, uh, all in Regina, Saskatchewan, um, and Shan would be one of those three. Um, there was also Doug and Dennis, and they each kind of brought their own uh, skills. Shan was obviously the highly technical guy, and Dennis was kind of more the project services delivery type of guy, and Doug was the the business uh, guy. So the three of them together kind of like formed or had all of the, the parts put together uh, between them. Um, and I guess when I joined, there was probably about, I want to say around 30 people, maybe a little bit more. Um, and by that time, it had already broken into this product and services delivery type of team. So there was a product team that built the ADX Studio portal product um, of about, 
um, four or five guys plus Shan. Um, and then there was about another 20 to 25 uh, services uh, type of people. And that was a mix of like developers and business analysts and project managers. So, And so would they kind of fit your typical model of a Microsoft you know, dynamics practice back in the day that basically took on project work and for customers and, you know, implemented dynamics and other services. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, that's the, the, the thing that actually held ADX studio up for a long time was their, their services business. Um, the product was not a profitable business at first service kind of funded the product development for a long time. But the thing that kind of funded services was our unique value proposition in that we had this portal product. So we were the external facing dynamics people type of thing. So um, we often got uh, put into opportunities that involved the portal, but we did everything like we did full dynamics implementations with or without the portal. So yeah. And how, where was most of the business coming from back in those days before the portals took off? Where was most, of, you know, was it like we are serving mainly pub sector, public sector, non-for-profit, you know, professional services? What type of industries were you getting most of your work from? Um, it was pr a pretty good mix uh, of everything. Um, there was definitely a lot of public sector opportunities, a lot of privates. We did a lot of... Um, uh, retail-based businesses that were spinning up loyalty uh, reward programs at the time. I worked on a couple of those, um, definitely some government-based items as well. Um, we were also opening up a Calgary office in the oil and gas industry um, is obviously really big there. So we were starting to get into oil and gas type company opportunities. Um, so it kind of ranged all over the place. Um, but the other thing was is that uh, ADX Studio also kind of had a partner model. Um, so people would resell the ADX Studio product um, across the world or be an ADX Studio partner and resell it and then look for help on implementation. So it wasn't just Canada that we would service. We would often be training and engaging in uh, other opportunities across the globe type of thing. So it was a lot of cool opportunity in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so who was really doing the selling? Uh, it was, so we probably had like two or three like de facto sales guys, but if you were not delivering on a project, you were often engaged in, in the sales uh, cycle as well. Um, kind of uh, ensuring that uh, you could help yourself be billable um, in the end type of thing. So that's standard type of model. Um, we switched, as we got busier and busier though, we switched to more of a, a sales group model. Um, so actually having a full-on sales team because there, there wasn't the availability of delivery people to uh, be able to actually sell at the same time. So Interesting. So of what you can say, in other words, not what's covered by non-disclosure agreements, things like that, what was the pathway then into the company being split and, um, you know, Microsoft taking, of course, or purchasing the IP, I suppose, around ADX portals and then the services business carrying on? Yeah, so Microsoft was very interested uh, in the, the portal product and in including it with them. And, and that's, uh, I think, what uh, they, they took was, was basically the IP. 
Um, and uh, the people uh, on the services side um, got spun off into this company called Adoxio, um, again with the same three founders. So um, Shan, Doug, and Dennis uh, kind of ensured that uh, everybody can kind of had a job and, and would continue on uh, from that. Um, as part of the product moving to Microsoft, some of the product team members moved to Microsoft, but not all of them. Some of them uh, were on temporary uh, contract with Microsoft and then came back to Adoxio. Um, so, yeah, so Craig Fleming was uh, the product manager and kind of helped with the transition to Microsoft, but then it um, ended up coming back to Adoxio as uh, our CTO. Um, gotcha, gotcha. And where did these names come up from? Come from ADX Studio, and then the other one being Adoxio. <laughs> so ADX Studio, I don't exactly know the full history of how that name got picked, but Adoxio, um, what was desired was keeping something close to um, the ADX name, like having some sort of semblance of these two kind of things kind of go together. Um, and it actually was, I think, a random word uh, that was come up with that had a free domain name. Um, so that's so how it sounds it very unicornish in nature. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which allows us, of course, to move on to another topic, which is unicorns. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so why why are unicorns featuring in your life so much? Uh, they did feature for a good like two or three year periods. Um, that kind of started, uh, I guess, I want to say at Ignite 2016. Um, I went down to Ignite with a colleague and uh, we went to this really great party that was at this arcade or something like that and won a whole bunch of tickets and ended up walking away with a bunch of unicorn stuffies. Um and one of our other colleagues was supposed to join us, um, but did not end up joining us because he forgot to purchase his Ignite tickets too late. So um, we kind of used one of the unicorn stuffies as if he was there with us and kind of documented all the shenanigans that um, a unicorn could kind of get into. So we were doing selfies and had a hashtag on Twitter and everything. And it kind of just took off from there. And um yeah, it, and then it kind of persisted, and we just kind of dropped it in on everything that we were doing as like code names on projects, and would put it in code files behind. I can tell you, like, our CEO was not the happiest at the time that we were doing that. So, um, and yeah, it was it became a lot of fun. So, and so, and and so, do you have a unicorn suit? I do have a unicorn onesie that I have used on various occasions. Yes, uh, Halloween being one of those. Uh, very convenient to, to hop into as a quick costume. So, uh, but yeah, I used it on a bunch of occasions, actually. So Interesting. And so, but it, it, no public prime time for the last little bit then for the unicorn? No, the last time the unicorn got out was uh, for uh, my very official KPMG photo. So we Right, right. And I think that's the one that I probably am referring to or thinking about. So, we, you know, I, I can't imagine, you know, the blue KPMG logo with a unicorn moniker on it. So how did that all go down? 
Uh, well, so we, when we, Adoxio got acquired by KPMG, it was really a, a clash of cultures of this uh, old organization. Uh, hold on, sorry, I've just lost my computer screen here. Um, this older organization that, you know, was not used to like what we had as Adoxio of this like startup culture. Um, and so we had to go in and get our photos taken uh, for our security passes and everything like that. And so we decided we we'd have some fun and kind of shake it up with our fun attitude and um, and went in to get our photos taken in unicorn onesies. Um, so we got our photos taken in unicorn onesies and had uh, official more uh, regular photos taken after we took the onesies off. But yeah, no, we had a lot of fun, and the the people at the KPMG office thought we were cute and fun as well. So, oh wow, okay, so you they, you didn't rub anybody up the wrong way by doing that? Then. No, no, not really. No, um, I think like they knew who we were, and I thought they they think it was good fun at the same time as well. So, um, they will always remember it, and they always remember who we are. So. <laughs> Um, yeah. Um, I noticed on your LinkedIn profile, there's no mention in your experience of working for KPMG. Your last experience is four years, three months at Adoxio, but nothing. Uh, yeah, I think, well, so when we got acquired, uh, we um, became what was called KPMG Adoxio. Um, and that was kind of the practice. I think that I think I'm still associated probably with Adoxio, which I think has been renamed KPMG Adoxio. So yeah, yeah I, just I just haven't... I just jumped I just jumped into it, and I can see the logo says KPMG Adoxio. But yeah, just okay. So interesting. interesting. So yeah, the Adoxio name's kind of fading away um, uh, over the acquisition and everything like that. Like we are part of KPMG's uh, Microsoft practice in Canada, which does a lot more things than just Dynamics. Um, we have a whole uh, modern workplace team as well. So interesting. And so, where do you you know? Um, uh, does the KPMG there integrate or work a lot with other KPMGs around the world? Like, because I know KPMG has practices and I think it's called Crimson Tide or Crimson Wing in, in the UK. I know it's in Australia, it's here in New Zealand. They've all got Dynamics practices. Um, I, how much are you integrated with, with them all and, and sharing your knowledge and bits and pieces? Quite a bit, actually. Um, they were very keen when we joined. We were about a 80-90 person company when we joined KPMG Canada, and there was this uh, big breath of uh, air coming in from a dynamics perspective. So um, they were all very interested, and we had some vertical products um, that we had as a doxio that became KPMG IP as well. So um, they had this ability to now sell IP, which was which is really something very new. For for, for KPMG of selling um, ISB or uh, packaged products instead of just managed cons uh, services consulting type of stuff. So um, it, they have been very interested um, and we work on a regular basis with the US firm. Um, like we have a, when we were at Doxio, we had a number of projects because uh, we were a global company. So um, when we got acquired, we had to send all of our U.S. business to the KPMG U.S. team. Um, but they didn't have the resources to really execute on all of that. So uh, they contracted us <laughs> to do a lot of it. And that kind of continues. Yeah. Um, 
and then Australia um, and uh, some of the Asian KPMG firms are, are quite interested in, in kind of partnering with them and getting them uh, aware and skilled up with um, all of uh, our uh, kind of abilities and products that we have. So they're all very interested. Um, I had some discussions with uh, the Crimson Wing uh, team. I, I can't remember. They've rebranded themselves something else other than Crimson Wing. I can't remember what it is. Oh, is that right? Uh, so they, they they haven't taken the full um, KPMG moniker? Uh, they they are more, yeah, no, they are now, I think, fully under the KPMG uh, branding because um, before they were just still sticking out as Crimson Wing, kind of like just how Adoxio was KPMG Adoxio. They were KPMG Crimson Wing. Um, but I think they have adopted the brand entirely, but they have like a sub practice name, but I can't quite remember what it is. So what's your, what's your thoughts on being an MVP? Um, it's good. I think, uh, it's, it's great to be able to interact with the product team on a regular basis and get the information from them. Um, it's great to be able to, to be known as, um, kind of a, a resource in the community, um, I'm going to say for certain knowledge areas, not all of the knowledge areas that uh, people might expect. Um, yeah, no, I really enjoy it. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, it continues to be a challenge. I think um, I kind of had worked to, to challenge myself. Uh, and I think a lot of the work I had done to challenge myself ended up being community-based items and um, sharing and teaching uh, knowledge was was one of the things that I kind of enjoyed. And, and I think it was just a, the MVP kind of became a byproduct of doing a lot of that. So I want, like I was moving up in the Adoxio ADX Studio world stopped me from doing a lot of the things that I really liked and loved doing, which was a lot of development and programming. So I kind of took to doing that in my after hours and took on some personal projects and stuff. And that I think the kind of the byproduct was, was educating people on what I had done. And, and then the byproduct of all of that became kind of getting awarded the MVP. So I like it. I like it. So, you know, as we head into 2020, what do you think you will be doing in regards to being an MVP? So I was kind of, because I was probably the first uh, person, I guess, with a lot of portal knowledge after Nick Dolman, I always was kind of known as one of the portal MVPs. Um, I've been kind of trying to expand my knowledge set uh, more beyond portals and more into the ALM DevOps world. So I've been trying to take that as a lot of uh, my focus. Um, one of the reasons I've ended up here in Gatineau, Quebec is actually because of a woman I'm seeing who has uh, two children. Um, and I really enjoyed uh, living and being with them and um, kind of educating them on things and finding out what they're learning at school and, and their access to technology and stuff. So trying to find ways, and I think there's a lot of cool ways that you could do it now because um, we were just playing with like a bot uh, with the power of virtual agents. And like, that is so like easy to teach kids. Like they get totally it right. right away. Like they're like, oh, <laughs> this is the coolest thing. Click and drag this here, that there. Like it's, yeah. So seeing if I can find ways to bring that uh, down to younger uh, minds and stuff. So still trying to keep my really technical focus, but um, kind of expanding um, based upon my 
my personal lifestyle changes uh, yeah. that I've experienced yeah. as well. So makes sense. It makes sense. And uh, when you say uh, on the portal side, you're expanding, you've got into ALM. That was one of the other things that, you know, um, you know, what is it? It would have been about six, seven years ago um, before Shan joined Microsoft. That was his kind of, the other thing he was very well known for, right? He was very well known, of course, for his representation of ADX portals. But the other side was he had the most advanced of any anything I've seen in the world ALM process back then, right? It was very sophisticated way of managing solution files, deconstructing them from a um, an automated or a coded level, um, and then, you know, uh, rebuilding, turning them back into solution packages for deployment into, into you know, Dynamics environments. Um, and then, you know, he, he joined Microsoft, and that wasn't, a, you know, he, his focus, of course, was very much the portals and not um, necessarily that ALM. But I feel the ALM stuff was some of the, the gold that he had, and I think we're starting to see more of it come to bear now in more recent times. But I think you're, you're in a wide-open landscape there to really – do a lot with that whole ALM story because so many people, even partners, have no idea to run, you know, a sophisticated ALM process over project work. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, like, I started the ALM stuff probably about a year and a half ago and would not have very many people at sessions, but now, like, the rooms are packed with people. I think I was just at UG Summit um, down in Orlando um, in October, and like there was only people standing and no chairs available type of thing for some of the sessions on ALM. So uh, the interest is high, and I think the interest is really high from Microsoft. Shan's now, I think, working in the, the solutions area. He has nothing to do with portals anymore. Um, and uh, yeah, he, that's definitely an area of, of interest for him. Um, but I think the community as a whole, it's kind of taken off as as something that's um, is very interesting. I mean, the whole DevOps movement um, have really taken off as well. Like if you look outside of Dynamics or the Microsoft bubble, like DevOps is, is definitely a, a huge skill set, um, a good feather in your cap to kind of have. So um, yeah, it's very interesting and there's definitely a lot of problems to solve. Um, the portal projects particularly uh, are, are really complex because it's not just solutions. It's also the data that makes up a portal. So the LM story is super important. Colin, we've already exhausted our time. Um, it's gone so quickly, but before we wrap, are you ready for your six random questions? Sure. Okay. Here's number one. What's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you during a date? I want to say smelling my armpits and being like, Oops, <laughs> I forgot to put deodorant on to this date and then be walking around and being like, oh God, I can't lift my arms at all. So that's the only thing that comes to mind right away. <laughs> I identify with that. I identify with that. And I bet you many others will as well. I think as soon um, as you realize that though, you're yeah, going to sweat more. I know. <laughs> I know. Totally. So. Totally. Have you been told you look like someone famous? And if so, who? Yes, Van Gogh on the Toronto subway um, because I have a red beard and brown hair. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see it actually. Totally right. Yeah. Yeah. On point. Would you uh, would you rather always have gas or always have bad breath? I'm thinking bad breath. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Seems Interesting. more curable. <laughs> <laughs> 
In what way do you feel your childhood was happier than most other people? I don't know. My parents always gave uh, awesome opportunities in sort of traveling and trying new things. Um, I think, yeah, like looking back, I, I, a lot of my friends didn't get to travel as much when I was uh, younger. Uh, my parents always like... Um, instead of to save money, my parents would pull us out in April um, instead of the standard March break when uh, rates to travel were a lot less. Um, and that was kind of put first and they would school us for the two or three weeks that we were away in April. And uh, so, yeah, I, I feel like I got lots of opportunity in that. And I think lots of leniency as well from them when I didn't you know, go to college or university after uh, high school right away. So that's very cool. That's very cool. If you could only drink one type of alcohol for the rest of your life, what would you choose? It used to be scotch, but now it's beer. Uh, I was going to say, man, it should be Fireball, right? Good, Canadi <laughs> good Canadian fake whiskey? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not Fireball. Uh, you know, if my CEO, former CEO is listening, it's scotch, but it's it's really beer IPAs in, in Canada here are, are the my, my go-to. What's one accomplishment you are most proud of? Uh, well, the MVP is is definitely up there. Um, I think, I don't know, probably like uh, just making my parents proud and kind of turning out as something that they're happy with. I think there was a little bit when I didn't go to university or college, oh, I got a job. Um, and I think they are very proud of me now in terms of what I do and where I've made it to and um, my personal relationships and everything. So I, I turned out all right. All right. Mate, that's awesome. Before you go, if people want to uh, follow you online, where can they find you? Uh, LinkedIn's a great place. Just I'm the only Colin Vermander out there. Got a unique last name, so I'm pretty easy to find that way. And then on Twitter, um, K O O L I N and an underscore at the end. Um, and then there's always my blog, just ColinVermander.com, and you can find all the the methods to get me on there. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I'd love it if you could leave me a review. Um, if you can do that on iTunes, if you've heard me say this a few times, you're the person I'm talking about right now that's going, you know what, I've not done that yet. So can you go to iTunes, either go to nz365guy.com forward slash iTunes, leave me a review, that would be fantastic. I kind of want to show up on the iTunes platform. Uh, so I'd really appreciate if you could do that, nz365guy.com forward slash iTunes. It'll auto redirect you to the right place on the iTunes um, platform. Uh, full show notes for this episode, please visit nz365guy.com forward slash 173. And like always, I'll see you next Thursday.